Welcome to Your Health IQ, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of health and wellness. I'm your host, Pam Barnes. And I'm Jay, co-navigating with Pam during our discussions. Together, we're PB and Jay, relaying information about a wide range of health-related topics we think might be of interest to our listeners. We're tackling the big questions and uncovering the science and stories that matter most to your health but aren't making the headlines. Hi, listeners. This is PB and J again. We're here to talk to you today about wearables. You know, it seems like everything nowadays is a smart device operating on an OIT, which is the inter- what they call Internet of Things technology. There's smart TVs, washers, dryers, even dog collars and smart homes. And more is being produced in the wearable industry. So what is exactly is these wearables? So wearables are electronic devices, and and we all know what they are at some point, but let me just kind of give you the definition in which it can be helpful to better understand it. That's usually, you know, these devices are usually worn on the skin, and it transmits medical, biological, and exercises data to a database. You know, the, the wearable industry has evolved so much over the years. Um, we have smart watches, we have fitness trackers, accelerator meters that are measuring our steps, our heart rate, and our sleep. But this business alone, this industry, is expected to grow to $111 billion by 2027, which is pretty amazing to me because there's fashion wearables now, you know, where you can actually have these full body suits and these hundreds of IOT, the internet of things sensors that measures every move. Athletes use it, you know, even when you're training for athletes that are training for the Olympics, they're actually wearing some of this, these wearable devices in order for their coaches and their, uh, the people who are training them to collect the data on, on the body's movement, as, as well as seeing um, how a person moves um, and where they're getting the most, uh, the optimal, um, it's like in the case of a runner, what stance should they take, the measurement of the blocks when they take off. It's, it's just, it's amazing what this technology is able to do. Um, it also can warm the body as well as cool the body. And these, what they call these jackets. Jay, do you remember when they came out with these these socks that you could warm up? And I think they had a battery, some sort of battery pack or something. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because I just saw, um, and yes, I do, and I think they still have those. Uh, I don't know, as as seen on TV, right? Right. <laughs> you know, one of those things. But I also saw when they were doing one of the races, you know, where they have to do 500 laps or the Daytona 500 or whatever the heck it is, mm-hmm. and the uh, racer was talking about how they wear these jackets that have a cooling system in them. And I have to believe they're absolutely what you're talking about with the wearables, with that cooling system, because it gets so hot, you know, going around that track inside that race car and that cage-like apparatus they're in. Right. And there is no air condition. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and that is amazing because of the fact that it's like to be able to control your body temperature just by you know, some 
internet device, internet operating device is, is truly helpful in so many ways. And then, you know, life insurance now, they are now giving their customers track, trackable, track, you know, wearables that you can track your steps. But here it is, the data that they collect informs the premium price. I'll bet it does. That they can charge. <laughs> so, yeah. So think about it. So if you're wearing one of their tracking devices, because I know my health insurance, they they were offering these, um, oh, what do you call them? Smart watches, right? And, you know, they want you to, to opt in and be able, they would be able to track, you know, your daily activities. I was like, no, nope, not doing that. Because you collect my information and then you're going to charge me according to whether or not you believe, you believe, or the data collected shows that I'm sedimentary or I'm very active and predicts my health risk. It's just, hey, Pam, you know, it's just like those uh, or similar to the auto insurance companies that want to put a tracker on your car to see if you're a safe driver or not. Yes. And if they deem you to be safe, then they uh, reduce your premium. Right, right. But if you're speeding. But if you're speeding, not so <laughs> All, much. Most of the time. <laughs> most of um, yeah. going over the speed limit most of the time. Yeah, I, I wouldn't trust them. You know, it's, uh, there was a, a Apple did a heart study and this was, kind of when we talk about wearables, Apple did a hard study. And this was a large study because they were able to get, these are people who bought Apple Watches. They were able to get 400,000 Apple Watch users across the United States for four years to collect data. Now, here it is. Where was this data going? And what was its purpose? Which nobody revealed in the initial study. But it was done between, it was a collaboration or partnership between Apple and Stanford medicine researchers. And so they could act, actually detect AFib, atrial fibrillation, an irregular heart rhythm that could lead to complications like a stroke. Okay. So you say, okay, so what's all this data collection doing? So if somebody was suspected of having AFib, okay, the participant who conducted conducted an e-check visit using their Apple Watch to take an EK, a ECG, not an EKG, but an ECG, and potentially consult with a, a doctor. Now, here it is. While only 10% of those notified were confirmed to having AFib using the ECG patch that was provided to them, it, it still was able to, uh, you know, to identify conditions that needed treatment. So all in all, it was a good study. But the thing is, when you have that large of a group, not really understanding, it's like, a, you know, it's like a premium you get because you bought the watch. You know, and not sure. understanding I'll, that I'll they participate. Yeah, give me a they're, watch. They're collecting data, so you know the minute that you walk into your doctor's office and you say, "Well, wait a minute, my watch says you know that Apple saying that I have AFib," the next thing you know, they're notifying your insurance company because you have AFib, right? 
So what do you think your insurance company is going to do, right? Well, not only that, Pam, but then they start referring you to a cardiologist, yes. which also increases your insurance rates, right? Right. Because depending on what your insurance plan is, it could be an extra cost that's with and whatever your deductible is. Right. So Very it's a domino true. effect, right? It is all a domino effect. So let's continue to talk about the game, the the wearables. So you know the, these gaming wearables, and I think they're fascinating. <laughs> in a sense, in a sense, I think they're fascinating because you take this this virtual reality headset, right, and you put it on, and you've seen um, the commercials on TV where somebody's playing baseball or or you know hitting a golf ball you know practicing their strokes and that's good because it gives you that other world experience and only thing you have to do is strap on this device to get it i don't know yeah i've got to interrupt you because i just saw an article today just today today being february 5th 2024 so you have you seen the commercials or seen any ads for the Apple Vision um, apparatus? Yes, yes, I have. Okay, so this guy in California <laughs> was just pulled over. He was wearing that while he was driving a Tesla. No. <laughs> yes, he was, he was actually driving with this apparatus on, with this Apple Vision goggle thing on. And oh, by the way, listeners, those goggle things, and I'm going to say goggle things because it's a headset thing, they're $3,500 a pop, $3,500. So I guess if you were driving a Tesla, you could probably, you know, afford, you know, $3,500 goggle. Right? <laughs> right. But this, it said, Apple said specifically, don't wear these while you're driving or operating machinery or riding a bike or, you know, doing anything like that. And so here we are, people are not paying attention. They're not reading instructions. And this guy, we are also on the road, folks. Um, This guy's got these, these goggles on while he's trying to navigate. Well, he wasn't driving the Tesla vehicle he was in was driving. And bo- oh, by the way, those a lot of those have been recalled. But you have to wonder... <laughs> <laughs> what? First, we were looking at people who were texting while they were driving. Right now, we, now we have people who are wearing them. right and, and and actually find them for that or yeah. or lock them up. Lots that's an opportunity for accident immediately. So when we talk about entering these third this other world experiences, the travel industry is actually on board with this. This is great for them because they can actually show you your destination without you being there, show what your room looks like without you being there and, and just promote their services to you, right, without you virtually having to to go there. So if you wanted a a high quality travel experience, it would be no problem to find a a travel uh, industry or travel agent that could provide that virtual experience just by using these wearables, these virtual technology wearables. I think it's great in that sense, but, you know, I, I still, I still, have my apprehensions <laughs> because I don't know what it's doing to your eyesight and and I we didn't do research on it and I don't know what it has what impact it has on young children's 
cognitive ability to distinguish reality from what is unreal, you know? So we'll see, maybe that'll be another episode for another day. And then you have these educational wearables, which I thought they were great because you can, they use them at NASA. They've been using it at NASA for forever. These uh, simulation, um, you know, if you're, you get ready to go in space, you would put on these headsets and, or you would have the screen in front of you um, and you could actually simulate the actual environment that you're going to get ready to enter into. So those are good. Um, and then, of course, if you are listening to uh, a lecture or a presentation, if you use, they are now using VR headsets to enable the organizations to train students. So I think that's a plus because why put somebody in danger when you can actually simulate the same environment conditions um, and, and have that person experience it, as well as monitoring their ability to handle stress environments. So I think that's a good thing. And then logistics now has these Google Glass. Well, I think they've been out for a while, but these smart glasses um, that enable like warehouse workers to quickly scan barcodes without having to run to a station or, you know, like as they do at the hospital, they're rolling the the laptop. <laughs> they're rolling the laptop in your room and they're typing it, you know, but physical, if you, without having to go back and forth to the physical computer to find out where packages are organized and certain items within a warehouse, as well as they're using them to 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 help the workers locate packages within the warehouse. So this is a, a these eyeglasses have a, a small screen up in the corner, and you can actually see where something is located. The problem is that the wearables are good and functional for a lot of reasons, but when it comes down to someone low income, you know, and undeserved populations, it becomes too expensive for them to even experience those type of wearables. And so, you know, we go through life trying to figure out which way to go, what to do, um, and, and how to manage just everyday situations. But these wearables have become something that it's going to be very interesting in the future. And possibly only available to that 1% that we talk about who are wealthy and who can afford all the toys and uh, all those things that if they are as good as they are supposed to be, should be available to everybody. Yeah. Right. Um, especially when it comes to health conditions, right? Yeah. When you say health conditions, they found out that there is a, a watch, some sort of watch. Uh, this was a 2022 Stanford stud study that they found this wearable data on the heart rate and skin temperature, as well as sleep predicted COVID-19 cases. Right. And I think uh, uh, there were some federal agencies that were also on board with you know, trying to see if that, the, the wearables, the, the Fitbits, for example, could predict, you know, whether someone had COVID or had the symptoms of COVID before they even entered the uh, federal agency property, um, such that they wouldn't have to worry about, you know, the, the COVID's being spread throughout the agency. From what I know, 
it didn't turn out that that was such a good thing. <laughs> it, didn't, mm -hmm. it didn't pan out as they had hoped it would, but they did check it out and they did at least try to see, you know, how it worked out. So Jay, can you give us some top wearables um, that are being used now? So um, I can tell you uh, there was a 2023 study done. Um, it was called Start Us Insights Discovery Platform. And this entity analyzed 3,428 global startups to identify the top 10 emerging uh, wearable trends. Some of them you've already talked about, Pam, but I'm going to go through them anyway, and I'll try to be quick about it. Um, it turns out the United States and the United Kingdom are seeing the most startup activity for um, wearables. So we'll start with the head-mounted displays, which you've already started uh, talking about. And those support capturing photos and videos and controlling other devices. And they also are used, just like you said, in training and simulation in fields like aviation, medicine, and uh, military. So uh, Germany and the UK both had startups that were using these video call glasses and digital therapeutics glasses. I thought the most interesting one had to do with those with Parkinson's where the glasses offered real-time analysis of a person's gait, their symptoms, and other movements. And anybody who's familiar with Parkinson's, there are a lot of physical symptoms like shaking and gait issues that uh, really uh, dictate what your quality of life is. Uh, I, I actually, one of my bosses back in the early 2000s uh, had Parkinson's, so I saw firsthand exactly how that goes. So it's good to see that there's, you know, something out there that uh, is, is checking into that. Another emerging technology is called Beacon Technology. This particular technology uses Bluetooth devices. So the uh, Beacon, think of like a, a, a honing be a Beacon, right? It's a, 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 the Bluetooth transmits signals to nearby devices. And those kinds of uh, wearables such as fitness trackers and smartwatches use that beacon technology. And so that beacon technology provides accurate and real-time location of assets. Um, it, it also provides indoor navigation for users, like guiding a user through a shopping mall or a hospital. I almost have to wonder if that would also be good for those who have low vision or no vision you know, oh. would that technology help those people, you know, whether it's genetic or whether it's, you know, you're older and you're, you've lost your vision or you're getting close to losing your vision. I have to wonder if that, you know, that's going to help. And so uh, the U.S. has got this company called Rally Safety. They have uh, got wearable Bluetooth beacon for personal safety that attaches to the user's smartphone and sends alerts to other people and emergency professionals when the user foresees danger. And then there's a German startup called PagoPace that uh, they make smart rings for contactless payments uh, connecting to the user's bank account. And you've seen those Aura rings too. Have yes. you seen the, you the O rings. Where, yeah, the O rings. And so it sounds like something similar, but you use it to pay <laughs> to pay at the cashier. I'm not sure I would really? rely on too much i'd be kind of squirrely about that well uh, you and i both i, I, I just wouldn't want my ring to have access to my money <laughs> no, it's like take off your ring now i'm gonna go rob your right. bank account. <laughs> right anyway, 
Sounds interesting. Uh, then GPS trackers, which have been around for a long time, right? I mean, we've had GPS tracking even before we had all the other stuff, like the yeah. garment. The, the garment was the one. You put in your car just so you could make it to your destination. And so it's same same kind of a deal, but um, they're using these GPS trackers to also ensure the safety and security of people and assets. And a lot of parents are using them to monitor the location of their children. And so they, again, they're using um, a ring. Uh, one, one company called Ring On, a US-based startup is using a GPS tracker and a ring um, that tracks your children to monitor their whereabouts. Um, and it even has a panic button. You know, Jay, when, when um, we went to Florida and I took the grandkids, I had gotten each one of them a tracker so that their parents could keep up with them in case, just in case one of them got out of sight or lost. Yeah. 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 I mean, what a beautiful thing. And so you almost wonder, are we going to end up getting chipped? You know, where they right. put these, these chips like they do for dogs, right? If you lose your dog, they've got a chip. I almost wonder at what point we're going to start getting injectable chips. Well, so they're that, you know what? Oddly enough, they're predicting that in the future that we I will actually be, be yeah, we will actually have them underneath of our skin embedded, just like right. the the dog collars. Yeah, but I have you know if you think about it, if those chips are able to also have all of your health information, like your blood type and any allergies, can you imagine? If you're ever at the ER, all they have to do is scan your chip. Right. Wherever it's located. Hopefully, it's, it's, hopefully it's in a place. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully it's in a convenient place. And hopefully it's right. not the size of a walnut, right? Right. Exactly. You're right. Bulge. But yeah, that's just my chip. Sure it is. Sure it is. Uh, so number four, and I'll try to go through this quickly, Pam. I'll um, whiz through this. Wearable heart monitors, and you talked a little bit about that, where uh, those heart monitors detect early signs of cardiovascular issues. Innovations include the incorporation of improved sensors and AI algorithms, uh, remotely monitor ECGs and detect abnormalities, thereby eliminating the need for frequent doctor's visits. And you talked about that with that study um, with all those people. Um, smart clothing, you also mentioned that, used for monitoring vital signs such as heart rate and breathing patterns, and that data is sent to healthcare professionals. And for industrial uses, I thought this was kind of interesting, it tracks the movement of workers and monitors their safety and provides them with relevant on-site information. And so when you think about people who work in hazardous industries like miners and um, people who are outside in the heat, can you imagine how good that would be if someone's in the middle of distress, if, if they've got, they're dehydrated or they've got heat stress, right. what a beautiful thing, you know, to alert somebody that, you know, they're in, in dire straits. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, number six, hearables. These often feature advanced noise cancellation and equalizer adjustments. Many have built-in fitness tracking capabilities, such as heart rate monitoring and step tracking. And they're also used as hearing aids for people with hearing impairments, allowing them to better better communicate with others and being able to translate speech in real time. So, I mean, they've got hearing aids, so I have to imagine they're just trying to, uh, you know, bump up the enhancement of hearing aids because they're getting pretty, 
pretty small these days. I was going to say, they're getting really small. Yeah, and uh, some of these these uh, base, these U.S.-based startups and the Canadian startup, they've got all kinds of things they're building into that that not only enhance the hearing, but also provide notifications from the user's phone into their ear, all kinds of cool things. Mm. Um, there's also 5G technology. So you've heard of the 5G network, right? When you use yes. your phone, oh, you know, does your phone, you know, are you on the 5G network? Well, they're also using that for the wearables to enhance the capabilities. Um, they enable faster data transfer speeds, and they offer real-time communication and remote control of devices. So those are good for things like telemedicine and remote patient monitoring. And you see that there's a, a common thread here. It's to get information to healthcare providers, yeah. right? It's to, to get that information instantly instead of having to make an appointment, relay the information to your doctor, right. blah, 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 blah. So... Um, I'm not going to go, and I'm not going to go all the way to number 10. What I want to talk about, um, so we don't run into too much time here, is artificial intelligence and how what the big deal is with artificial intelligence with all these wearable things. And so the Journal of Healthcare Engineering did this article in 2022, and they said, uh, they called it machine learning for healthcare wearable devices, the big picture. And what they did was they did this study for the internet of medical things, which are those wearables. And they said, geez, you know, what's the, what's the downside of, of these wearables? What, where are we? You know, what is a, why aren't they all, you know, the best thing since sliced bread? And so they said that choosing well calibrated sensors that are better validated against benchmark devices is one of the things that they need to work on. They also need to uh, work on the raw data that require cleanup of the signals for removing noise and motion artifacts as the work is done. So when you think about all the different types of people who are wearing wearables, short people, fat people, thin people, black people, brown people, white people, somewhere in between and different ages, you can't assume that if someone is wearing a wearable, that their data is equivalent to someone else who's also wearing the same wearable. And you also have the differences in skin tone, which are also playing a part in the accuracy of data. You also have to think about, is that person stationary? Is that person running? Is that person sitting? Are they walking? Are they, what are they doing while they're wearing the wearables? Because ultimately, to gather all of that information and to build an algorithm, you have to filter out some of the things that would be a variable that would make the data inaccurate. So you were talking about that study that Apple did, right? Yes. And how they had, you know, some people, they were having a cardiac moment and some people weren't, right? right? And it's probably, I would expect that that they're not going to all be accurate because you can't assume that everybody's doing the same thing at the same time and the same kind of person with the same kind of skin color, with the same kind of health, whatever, fill in the blank. Because you and I talked about how when you go to the doctor, wouldn't it be nice if they had a personalized profile for every patient that they had yes. to build a, a picture of that person to individualize and make Healthcare. their treatment unique? Yeah. To them, to them, not to everybody else who right. 
maybe right. the same age or maybe not. Right. Or the same sex or not. Yeah. Sex or not. Right. Male, female or whatever. Um, and oh, by the way, if we're talking about LGBTQ and people who are taking different hormones, hormones. because they, you know. Right. I mean, the possibilities are endless. And so this particular study um, went into all of these, you know, uh, different variables as to why we can't assume that the data that we have is always accurate and can be applied as one algorithm across the board. You just can't. And then they started talking about privacy. So if you want to get the people, you were talking about how many people participated in that Apple Watch study. They probably didn't read the fine print about how their data was going to be used, what they would need to report, what they didn't have to report. And so there are, in the United States at least, I don't know how it is everywhere else, but there are a set of regulations that you have to use in order to get the, the information, the data from the users. Um, one of those is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability, Accountability Act, which is known as HIPAA, the General Data Protection Regulation, the High Tech Regulation, Health Information Technology for Economic and Clinical Health, um, and also the OWASP Security Standards, Open Web Application Security Project. So. Hmm. If you are trying to get information to make sure that these wearables are accurate, so say say you're wearing a wearable mm-hmm. and you get an alarm that you're getting ready to have a heart attack, right. <laughs> wouldn't right. you like to know that that is real and it's not just a fake alarm because it's misinterpreting the data? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yes, like, yes. It, I'm I'm out in um I'm in Florida and it's uh, 90 degrees right. now. And I'm outside doing gardening I'm outside, work. I'm doing <laughs> right. I'm I'm out gardening and no, I'm not having I'm not about to have a heart attack, right. but it's interpreting different things based on your environmental factors and your personal physical factors. Right. So before we can, in my opinion, before we can fully rely on wearables and the data that they provide. It's going to have to do, there's going to have to be some cleanup. There's going to have to be some algorithms that take into all those things and either personalize your wearable to you and to your situation, your environment, or come up with a core set of things that apply to everybody, regardless of race, skin color, outside temperature, Male, I don't female. know if they. I don't think they can differentiate between that. You know, like if if you just set a core core values, which they're doing now, right? Yeah. I don't know because, like I said, even in this Apple study, only ten percent actually had AFib. You talk about four hundred thousand people, right? And only a small fraction of them actually had AFib to even go get treatment. So what exactly. about the other, you know, what what about the other 90%? Exactly. They may have thought that they had AFib, went to their doctor, checked it out, and then realized that maybe this this was not what it was. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, not only that, but they also talked about the memory limitations on the wearable devices and the power limitations. If you have to charge up your wearable 
Like if you have to plug it in, like you do your phone right now, it's like, well, was it low on batteries? And oh, is it on? Is it even charged up? Yeah. And so you start wondering about the reliability, yes. right? And again, the accuracy, because you don't want to wear something and, and depend on it if it's accurate, right. if it's inaccurate, excuse if it's me. In yes. If it's inaccurate. It's like, well, why am I, why am I wearing this? If I do, I can't depend on, you know, whether it's, you know, real or not, just like the, um, those things that you attach to your phone, it's the, um, EKG where you put your finger on yes. there yes. and it monitors. It's like, well, I saw that. <laughs> What if you were, I, I saw that commercial. How's your heart? That was the, the start of the commercial. How's your heart? Yeah. And people said, I don't know. Yeah. And it's <laughs> FDA cleared, whatever that means. Right. What does that mean? What does FDA cleared mean? Right. I think it's called Cardia Mobile. I think it's yes. called Cardia Mobile. I think that's the name of it. Yes. So here's my thing. I'm going to tell you just for personal. Um, my fingertips are very dry. And even when I went to get fingerprinted for work, they had a devil of a time even getting a fingerprint because my fingers are so dry and they would not accept a fingerprint very well. And they had to do it the old school way with the ink and the paper. Mm. And so I have to wonder for anything digital where I have to use a finger, it's like, well, is it even going to see that I'm putting a finger on there? Right. Because <laughs> how about other people who have the same thing, whose their fingertips are are really dry for whatever reason? Yeah, absolutely. Or who no longer have a fingerprint because right. of the type of work they did, or you know, or or some incident that happened and they ended up losing their fingerprints. You know. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. If they've had their fingers amputated, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's a really good point. Yeah. So it, it's amazing that you talk about, you know, we were talking about these wearables because, you know, and Jay knows this. I can't wear wearables. I can't wear Fit uh, smartwatch. I can't wear Fitbit because I found out that I end up it. The, I guess the impulses that go through the watch end up affecting my uh, wrist. And I it almost feels like if it's carpal tunnel. So. I was actually having these experiences where I felt like my one wrist was having, and it was where I was wearing a watch, I was having carpal tunnel. So I'm afraid that I've gotten carpal tunnel over the years. I took the watch off, stopped wearing it, and my wrist has been fine ever since. So I know for me, and I guess everybody has to test it for themselves, that I can't wear any type of electronic pulses that are going through my wrist. Well, not to mention if you are allergic to whatever material is that that wearable is made out of. If someone's allergic to latex, for example, they may also be allergic to silicone or whatever the material is that the the wearable is made out of, or whatever if they have to put some other kind of patch or wear there's some some other kind but of even the the adhesives they found right. out the people who use adhesives to attach certain yeah. things on parts of their bodies the adhesive right. itself some people are allergic to it you know yeah yeah so I, I think it's got a ways to go I mean lots of good stuff but I think they're I they need some work on that stuff I think we're going to tell you this <laughs> you know I know people love wearing their wearables we have fashion wearables we have all kinds of wearables that are out there that help us to maintain, um, to, to actually maintain 
uh, our health and wellness. But when it all comes down to it, I'm going to tell you that if in doubt, um, go see a physician, go talk to a healthcare provider. <laughs> Do what you have to do. Yeah. And so we are ending our podcasts lately with a quote that is meaningful to what we talked about. And so I'm going to give you one from a person by the name of Jack Ma. And he said that the true impact of digital empowerment is realized when individuals leverage technology to overcome challenges, unlock their potential and make a positive impact on the world. And that is it for today's podcast. Thank you listeners for checking out Your Health IQ with PBJ Connection. See you next time.